PCA, it's time for the service to start. Amen. Our God is good. Let's bless his name. Where can we run? Where can we hide? Is there a place that we can go where you cannot find us? You're there when we fall. There when we rise. Nothing is hidden from your face. You know every word we take. Redeemed us from the fall, we paid the ransom. 
such great lengths to bring us to you, Lord. Thank you, Father.
this. Tell him how much you love him. You deserve it, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that we can rest in the fact that you know what's coming. You know our future. You you know what's going to happen next. And we can trust in you. We can trust in you, God. You hold my
you are welcome in this place to have your way. Have your way in my heart. You're welcome to have your way in this building, Lord. We're just believing you for great and mighty things, God. Thank you, Lord. We praise you and we bless your holy name. Give him a shout. In Jesus' name, amen. We love you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. week we got back from vacation and Wednesday night I went to get some ice and some ice water and the refrigerator didn't give me any so I thought well okay great the ice maker went out got up Thursday morning and guess what it was a whole refrigerator finally got somebody there Friday and said well it's this very expensive part and we don't do that kind of work can I get somebody else to do it so it kind of, we lived out of ice chest for three and a half days. Had some friends come in Sunday afternoon. And uh, <laughs> real, I mean, they, they, are, they are just spiritual blessings to us. And so we were telling them about the situation. Of course, they could see the ice chest there. And they said, well, have you prayed over it? And I said, well, I have been. I said, I kind of thought I heard this morning in service praying to plug it back in, but I haven't done it yet. So, okay, Lord, let the refrigerator, Lord, heal it. Plugged it back in, and it's still running. Sweet. Hallelujah. So, my minimum, minimum of twelve to $1,400, I don't have to spend, because God Amen. takes care of it. That's why we believe. Amen. That's why we take the time to say thank you Lord I found the scripture in Exodus let me get to it here Exodus chapter 35 so the whole community of Israel left Moses and returned to their tents all those whose hearts were stirred and whose spirits were moved came and brought their sacred offerings to the Lord they brought all the materials needed for the tabernacle and for the, the performance of the rituals and for sacred garments. Both men and women, all those whose hearts were willing, they brought to the Lord their offering of gold. God had stirred them up and said, make me a house. If you know the story just prior to this, Moses had gone to the mountain and God had given him the Ten Commandments. He had to come down and chastise him because they were doing foolishness stupid things but then God sparked a, like a revival in their hearts and Moses said we've got to build the tabernacle and so those who believed brought the offerings to build the tabernacle in this one spirit of offering in one spirit of giving and tithing and we're rejoicing and blessed by it. You know, we can be, a lot of people think this is just a commercial time. It's not. This is actually an act of worship when we give our tithes and offerings. It's what God expects and asks us, commands us to do. He wants to bless us. 
wants to bless. Can I say that again? He wants to bless us. And when we bring our tithes and offerings to the Lord, it makes him happy. Therefore, he reaches down and makes us happy and fills and renews and restores. We have several ways of giving. Of course, you can mail it, 2313 Prospect. We've got a little kiosk out there that you can do it with. You can take cash or check. You can text it up to uh, PCA Church at 844-392-2401. Or do it online, pcachurch.com slash contributions. It's real easy. It really is getting a lot easier. But God will bless us when we're obedient and excited about giving to the church. Usher this is going to close. Let's pray. Father God, this evening we praise you. We've worshiped you. Lord, we have just had every opportunity to say thank you for this day, this week, this month, this year. Even through the tough times, Lord, you said, no matter what, rejoice. And again, I say rejoice. So, Father, we rejoice as we give to you what you've given, just a portion of what you've given to us. Lord, bless this offering and those who give. Let us do it and just know, Lord, it's what makes you happy. It's what blesses you as we give. Father, bless this offering. Let all those who can give do it joyfully. We ask these things in the wonderful, precious, holy name of Jesus. Amen. God bless as you give. Amen. Man, I, need, I don't know what people hear when I'm preaching, but he heard plug in the refrigerator while I was preaching. I heard while he was taking up the offering, he's got 1200 bucks extra to take us to dinner tonight. That's what I heard. Amen. Let's go get some ice cream and cake on Steve Green, the great Steve Green. Thank you for that testimony and for, uh, yeah, we need an interpretation, $1,200 ice cream. I love it. And don't you just love it when God cares about your refrigerator? He cares about everything. He cares about your little toe when you stub it. He cares about so much about you that he has every hair on your hair numbered. Every hair on your head is numbered. Thank goodness. Man, God is so good. God is so good. Just this week, we've had all kinds of testimonies of healing. Uh, God is providing how can you not serve a God who knows how to give good gifts to his kids? Man. And Sunday was a great time around the altars and, and uh, God changing people's lives, people leaving, going, thank God for the word. Sunday's word was a little meaty. No milk in that one. It was a little bit meaty. And so nobody choked on it. Everybody's good, ready to go. Stand with me tonight. Take your Bibles. Hold it high. Rattle those sabers and swords and all hell should get a little nervous right about now when we get the Word of God ready. Repeat this after me. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet. Thy word is a light unto my path. Thy word will I hide in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Lord, help me every day to read thy word. Lord, help me every day to read thy word, I love thy word. I love thy word. You're kind of failing. I love thy word. And Lord, help the preacher. Amen.
Don't fade off on me. You never know where I'm going. Stay with me. It'll be all right. It's a great, great time to be alive. Amen. Man, the world is changing, but God stays the same. How many of you have ever been spelunking? Raise your hands. Let's go spelunking tonight. How many know what that is? It's where you go and explore caves. I love caves. Uh, when we lived in Texas, we took our family on a vacation. And on that vacation, we did some spelunking. We learned about stalactites, stalagmites. We learned uh, there was one of those rooms in that cave called the throne room. It was amazing. Uh, what wasn't so amazing as we're exploring this cave was the guy who was our guide said, hold up, wait a minute, I'll be right back because we're about to enter the waterfall of the cave. So he says, be right back. What we did not know, because there had been a drought that summer, the waterfall was not falling water. It was dry. So he went outside and turned on a water hose so that by the time we walked into the waterfall room, there was a waterfall there. It was awesome. But it was spelunking. We were caving. Uh, I love caves. They're beautiful, aren't they? All the different minerals you see, all the different formations, the calcium and all those things, making all those shapes and formations. Caving, exploring caves. I find there's a lot of caves in the Bible. I don't know if you've ever been spelunking in the Word of God before, but there's a lot of caves in the Bible, and it seems like the greatest people that serve God at one time or another wind up in a cave. What's the deal with that? They're not necessarily exploring the cave. Most of them are hiding in the cave. Most of them are sitting there and they're feeling a little bummed out in the cave. Because the cave is where you end up when you lose everything. You find these men of God that have lost everything, they're in a cave. Um, the cave is kind of where you go, you and I may go there, when your friends leave you. You ever had your friends leave you? You kind of want to get into a cave, into a dark place. A cave is where you go when you lose your job. You go to work that morning and go, oh, well, today we've got to let you go. You've got to find a cave somewhere. A cave is where you go when you are desolate in your finances. Desolate in your finances, you know, everything's gone wrong. What your plans were, now they're all bummed out. Kind of want to get into a cave. A cave is where you go when you get defeated by life. Anybody ever been in a cave? Anybody ever been in any of these situations where you just want to get in a dark place and hide out? And don't anybody talk to me? Don't anybody bother me? I just want to be by myself. But the caves are where God does some of his best work. He loves hanging out in caves. God is a spelunker. God loves exploring clay, and then he finds somebody there, and he goes, well, what are you doing here? Yeah, because sometimes in a cave, if you've been in a cave, you feel like sometimes God has forsaken me. Yeah, God's, God's left me, God's forsaken me. Sometimes you feel like that um, you have been abandoned by people. Well, nobody cares. Look at them. They're all laughing and joking and living their lives. How can they live their lives when they know I'm broke? 
How can they live their lives when they know I'm hurting? How can they live their lives when they know all the pain I'm going through? Yeah. And guess what? The enemy of your soul loves it when you look for a cave. He's like, oh, come on in. Welcome to the cave. We're going to have a good time feeling sorry for ourselves. We're going to have a good time being all alone. The cave is where you can be all by yourself. And guess what happens? You begin to think. That's the worst thing to do in a cave is start thinking. Don't think. The best thing you can do in a cave is just see all the beauty that's around you. But so many times we're all alone. But sometimes that's where God has to get us to where he can talk to us. Because we're not so busy. Because in our normal days of life, man, we're not in a cave. We're out and about in the sunshine. We're doing this. We're doing that. We're going to work. We're having friends. We got money. Everything's going well. My health is great. I don't feel bad. Man, I'm going to the lake. I'm going to the golf course. I'm going fishing. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. And so many times we're so busy that God cannot talk to us. But when you get in the cave, you're not thinking about golfing or fishing or hunting or or doing anything, you're not thinking about jobs, you're not thinking about your health, you're not thinking about your fine. All you're thinking about is, whoa, 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 is me. And in the cave, there are no other distractions. Full attention is on the cave. And suddenly you realize, all you really have is God. Isn't that true? Have you ever gotten to the point to where you realize, Hey, all I've really got is God. I thought I had friends, but all I've really got is God. I thought I had this security in my job, but really all I've got is God. I thought my health was going to be great for the rest of my life, but really all I've got is God. I thought I had all the plans for my life, but they're all gone. But here's what I've realized. I have God. I have God. And then you realize, guess what? God is enough. He's enough. He's more than enough, actually. He's all you really need. But the problem is when you're outside the cave, you don't realize how much you need God because you got everything else. But when you get in the cave, you realize that God is all that you really need. So tonight, I just want to welcome you to my cave. Let's go spelunking in my cave for a little bit. I want to talk about a guy by the name of David. He's not a king. He's just David. And David was living the life that everybody else wanted to live. I mean, everything David did was success. He fought giants, took them down, cut off their heads. He fought battle after battle, and they started writing songs about him. Saul has slain his thousands, but David, he's slain tens of thousands. I mean, he's got kids, he's got wives, plural. He's got a great new mansion. It's just been remodeled. He's got his picture on the front of Life magazine. I mean, things are going great. New chariot. I mean, things are awesome. And everything that is going on in David's life is going wonderful. Couldn't be better. He rides down the street. Everybody says, hey, Dave, you cool, bro. What's happening? Everything's going his way. Have you ever been there in life? 
I have been where everything you touch turns to gold. I've been there. Everything's going your way. Man, it's going, it's going. And then all of a sudden, everything was gone. He was gone into battle, and while he was gone, an enemy came in and took his wives, took his kids. They burned everything, destroyed everything, and David's got nothing. David is down to absolutely nothing. He's in his dark place, and he finds himself in a cave. But what do you do when you get in the cave? What do you do whenever everything goes wrong? What do you do when everything and all your friends leave you? Well, first of all, you should talk to God. You need to talk to God. God, what's going on here? What, what am I doing right? What am I doing wrong? God, search my heart and know my ways. God, if there's anything that's between me and you, God, forgive me. We should start talking to God. But then you know what will happen if you just stop talking to God enough? God talks to you. God will talk to you if you listen. In those dark places, God will find you there and he will talk to you. Oftentimes, when people are in dark places, they sit there and do nothing. They just want to sit there and just, this is it. This is the way my life's going to be. This is going to be as good as it gets. It's over. And you know what they do? They wait for somebody else to come in the cave and drag them out. And guess what? Nobody's going to come in the cave and drag you out. If you want to stay in your cave, you can stay in your cave as long as you want to and nobody's going to bother you. Guess what they're going to do? They're going to go on with their lives, living in the sunshine, having fun. They're going to go on with their friends. They're going to go to the lake without you. They're going to go fishing and hunting and golfing without you and go, well, where's Dwayne? I don't know. I don't want to be around that guy. He's a downer lately. Everything he's called, man, 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 blah, blah, blah. We can't wait for somebody else to get us out of the cave. Sometimes people think, well, I can't do anything about it. They think that their failures are why they are in the cave, and that's not true. The greatest failure you can ever have when you're in a cave is to do nothing. That's the greatest failure. You're talking about failures. If you do something and it doesn't work, that's not a failure. But if you don't do anything, that's a failure. And sometimes we sit around and do nothing and expect God to do everything or expect a friend to come get us out and miraculously make the cave turn into something that's beautiful. And the whole time we're sitting there, we're doing nothing. Nothing is the failure. If you try something, that's not a failure. At least you're trying. At least you're doing something. Because doing nothing is the greatest failure. And the Bible says we should learn from our failures. Have you ever failed at something? I have. The reason why you fail at something is because you tried. You tried. I remember the first time I went snowboarding. Jeez. I spent more time face down on the ground, backside on the ground than I did standing up. But I learned something. Stay at the bottom of the hill and get in a chase lounge and drink hot chocolate. That's what I learned. It's a lot less painful. But it's not as much fun. So I kept going up the mountain and kept coming down until finally I got it. And then it's fun. It wasn't fun when the seven-year-old kid passes you and goes, Get out of the way, old man. 
That's not fun. But what is fun is when you get going and you go down the hill past the seven-year-old and say, get out of my way, you little punk. That's what's fun. Yeah. You learn something. People say, I, it was a learning experience. Okay, well, what did you learn from being in your cave? What did you learn? David learned in his cave because everything was going great, then everything went wrong. David learned that he had to ask God, what's my next move? Don't try to do it in your own wisdom. Don't try to think you can figure this thing out yourself. You're going to wind up lost in that cave and never get out. But if you say, God, which way should I go? Where, what should I do? God will give you your next move. And David learned a hard lesson he had never learned before that sometimes in life you do lose. Sometimes in life you do lose. David had been writing songs. He would be invited into King Saul's presence. And when he would sing, his songs would soothe the spirit of Saul and all those things. And David had been winning, 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 winning. But sometimes in life you lose. Not everything in life is going to go right for you. God never promised that everything's going right. God did promise I'm going to help you if you ask. So when you do something and you win, it's wonderful, isn't it? Isn't it wonderful? When we are winning, don't we see God in every part of our life? Man, I'm on the mountaintop. Look, there's God. The birds, you hear the birds singing. I mean, it's, it's beautiful. Have you ever been on top of a mountain before in the summertime? It is beautiful. Ever been on top of a mountain in the wintertime? It is beautiful. But getting up there sometimes is not beautiful. And then coming back down, I found out it's a lot easier to come down a mountain than to go up a mountain. Sandy and I have hiked a lot of mountains, and we hiked one mountain one day. It took us 12 hours to get to the top, 12 hours nonstop hiking to get to the top. We ate lunch at a crater, a beautiful crater lake at the top of this mountain, and it took us three hours to get down. Isn't that amazing? Sometimes in life it's hard, and when it's hard, it's not a failure but during that time, sometimes we, we don't see God. Where is God? He left me. No, he didn't. He's right there. He's right there when you lose just as much as when you win. He's right there, the same. During great moments in our life, we see God. During the dark times, we can't see God. And we use this as a way to blame God or to say, God, you failed me. And God's going, no, no, no. My love is unconditional. Unconditional. Here's what I had to learn a long time ago. God loves me the same when I'm winning as when I'm losing. His love is the same. He loves me as much when I'm on top of the mountain as he loves me when I'm down in the valley and I found me a cave to crawl up into and be dark and all alone. God's love is not based on success or failure. It's based upon the fact that you are his child. The prophet Elijah, look at this guy. Man, he had had success after success. The dude is awesome. I got a message about Brother Elijah. Did you know, this is awesome. I read this just today. In the future, I'm going to preach a message on this, but I'm going to give you a little snippet tonight. Brother Elijah, one time he told Obadiah, he said, go tell Obadiah, I mean, Obadiah, go tell King Ahab I want to meet with him. And Obadiah said this, are you sure you're going to meet with him this time? Because every time... Somebody said, Elijah's there. By the time we get there, the Spirit of God has transported you somewhere else. Then they'll say, no, Elijah's over there. 
We get over there, and the Spirit of God transports you somebody. And so I'm not going to go tell King Ahab that you want to meet with him if you're not going to be there and meet with him. Isn't that awesome? I mean, Elijah had a reputation of, boom, Spirit of God just moves me where the Spirit of God wants to move me. Wouldn't that be awesome? Wouldn't it be awesome if you said, hey, I want to be on top of a mountain, and you're there. Oh, yeah. Everybody's like, yeah. Wouldn't it be cool if you go, I want to be on the beach. And yeah, and you're there. Awesome. Yeah. Elijah lived a life like that. He was winning, winning, winning. And then he defeated the prophets of Baal, and he outran a chariot down the mountain, but then he met the messenger of a woman by the name of Jezebel, and he gets defeated. And at first he goes and finds himself a little tree to lay under. He goes, oh God, I'm the only one left. And God said, no, there's 7,000 others that have not bowed their knee to Baal, nor kissed Baal with their lips. But then he feels even more sorry for himself. And look at this. In chapter 19, here's what um, Ahab and Jezebel are talking about. Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done about the 450 prophets of Baal and how he had killed all the prophets with a sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah. May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like one of those. You're going to be dead. That's what she said. By this time tomorrow, Elijah, you're dead. Elijah was afraid. Seriously. What? You just killed 450 men and one woman's got you afraid? Elijah was a very much man of God with wisdom. No. <laughs> she scared him. And he ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there. While he himself went a day's journey to the wilderness, he came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. You ever been in a, in a place where it's so dark, you go, I just want to die. I've had enough, Lord. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. All at once an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around, and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. You see, Elijah was just exhausted. When you're exhausted, you're not going to think right. And so the angel of the Lord came back a second time, touched him and said, Get up and eat, for the journey's too much for you. So he got up and he ate and drank, strengthened by that food. He traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Torah, the mountain of God. And there he went into a cave. And spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to Elijah and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? Now notice, when you study the word of God, you got to notice every word. God said to Elijah, What are you doing where? Here. God did not say, Elijah, what are you doing there? Big difference between there and here. You see, when I'm talking and I'm with you, I will say, what are you doing here? If I'm not with you, I'll say, what are you doing there? So when God spoke to Elijah, where was God? In the cave. Elijah, what are you doing here? What are you doing here in a cave 
a man of God who just been fed 40 days ago twice by an angel of God. You didn't even have to cook your meal or anything. You just woke up and the angel had it ready for you. What are you doing here? When you are in your cave, where is God? Here with you. What do you feel? That God is not here. That God is there and there and there, but not here. God is with you. He cares about you. Psalm 142 is a psalm, a song that David wrote while David was in the cave. Here's what he says in 142. As a matter of fact, if you have your Bible, it says this. It says this is a song when he was in a cave, a prayer that he was praying. David said this, I cry aloud to the Lord. I lift up my voice to the Lord for mercy. I pour out before him my complaint. How many know that David was just a whiny baby right about now? God, they took everything. My kids, my wives, my chariot. The Life magazine is burned up. It's all gone. God, I, I thought... I thought you were a good God. I thought you, and he said, I began to tell him all my troubles. That's what you do when you're in a cave, right? When my spirit grows faint within me, it is you who watch over my way. So when David talked, what did God do? Start talking back to him. He said, when my spirit grows faint, it's you that watch over me. In the path where I walk, People have hidden a snare for me. God, they're trying to trap me. They're trying to kill me. But look and see, there is no one at my right hand, God. Nobody's. Where's my friends? Nobody's at my right hand. What happened to all the people that were saying, go, David, go? They're not there. I have no refuge. I have no home. I have nowhere to go. No one cares for my life. You ever been there? If I would, you ever said, if I was to die today, nobody would care. Nobody would ever be at my funeral. Nobody would, I mean, nothing. Nobody would care. Wouldn't even be missed. I might as well. That's the way David's feeling. Nobody cares about my life. He says, I cry to you, Lord. I say, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. Listen to my cry. I am in desperate need. Rescue me from those who pursue me, for they are too strong for me. You see, he's already gotten defeated. He's already like, they're going to win. They're going to win. I have no choice. Help me out here. And then he says, set me free from my prison that I may praise your name. Then the righteous will gather about me because of your goodness to me. David said, I need you, God, to set me free from the prison of this cave. You know what David was doing? Nothing. He was waiting for somebody else to come and get him out of that cave. During this prayer, he's got to realize, God, nobody's coming to get me out of this cave. I got to get myself out. The only failure is if I do nothing. If I do something, that's not a failure. If I try my best and I still lose, that's not failing. Failing is sitting here and doing nothing. If you know that it, God is with you in the cave experience, then you can come out of that cave stronger than you went in. God does his best work with people in caves. He does his best work. David could have allowed his cave to be his prison, and there he could have died. David could have thought, this is as good as it's going to get. 
I'm going to live in a cave for the rest of my life. I just got to get used to it. I'm never going to have a nice mansion. I'm never going to have a castle. I'm never going to be a king. I'm never, I'm never, never, never. If you can get in your cave experience, sometimes you get in there so deep you can't get yourself out. Be careful. Be careful. Whether it's our finances, our health, our relationships, our jobs, whatever it is, you got to learn to know that God is in your cave with you. He looks at you. Why are you here? Well, I got a lot of trouble. Well, don't we all? Anybody here without trouble, raise their hand. Not one hand is raised. We've all got troubles. We've all got trials. We've all got dark places we can go if we want to. And you know what? We can stay in those dark places if we want to stay in those dark places. And we can let the lives of everybody else just go in front of our cave and they'll never stop and walk in and go, hey, how you doing? They're just going to keep on living their lives. We got to get out of a cave. God knows all about caves. What happened to his own son? On the cross, Jesus looked around. Where's all my friends? Where's all my disciples? They're gone. Didn't they stick by me? I stuck by them. They're gone. Jesus lost his disciples. He lost his friends. He lost his influence. Everything on the cross. He was all alone. He even cried out, my God, my God, why have you, my father, forsaken me? Yeah. You talk about a cave. And when he died, where did they put Jesus? In a cave. And God does his best work in a cave. God does his best work in our dark places. Caves are where God brings life to things that have died. That's what God does to caves. He says, you may go in there dead, but you're coming out of here alive. You may go in weak, but you're coming out strong. You may go in tired, but you're coming out refreshed. You may go in thinking this is all there is and I'm going to bring you out and I'm going to give you hope and joy and peace and you're going to sing again, David, and you're going to rise up again, David, and you're going to fight your battles and you're going to win these battles and one day, David, you're going to be king. Get out of this cave, boy. Yeah. God brings dead dreams back to life, dead marriages back to life, dead relationships back to life. God does everything he does best in dark places. So tonight, if you think, where's God? Why has God forsaken me? Why? I, don't, I don't get the doodads. I've had people tell me that before. Well, Pastor, I'm just not getting the doodads anymore. I don't know what the doodads are, but relationship with God is not about doodads. We've been married 43 years, and I guess I, there are moments, I'm sure, We've had some doodads, 43 years, but it's not every moment. Not every moment is it honeymoon. Not every moment in any relationship is like, ooh. <laughs> My relationship might be getting a little worse as I'm talking. I don't know. You know what I'm talking about. And sometimes... We all have this tendency because we're human that when things are not going well, we have this tendency to shrink back and get back into the dark recesses of a cave. Why? Because we don't want to talk to anybody right now. We don't want to do anything right now. And I got to tell you, God does his best work in caves. He goes spelunking. 
looking for things, looking for people, seeing the beauty of the surroundings. You can look around your life and you can see all the bad stuff, or you can look around in your life and see all the beautiful things in your life. Whatever you want to do. You can look at your car and go, oh. Or you look at your car and go, praise God, I'm not walking. Amen? You can look at your house and go, oh. Or you look at your house and go, thank God I'm not in a tent. Thank God I'm not sleeping under a bridge. Look what the blessings of God have given me. You know, we've got to understand, you can take your cave and you can stay in the darkness and you can dwell there all you want to, or you can think somebody's going to come and get me out, and they're not. You've got to all of a sudden shake yourself and say, wait a minute, what am I doing here? I'm not built for cave. I'm not a caveman. I've been built for the light. God's built me to be a warrior, a conqueror. God has built me to be a king, to reign over my life and to rule my life and to take charge of my life. That's who God has created me to be. And tonight, if you've experienced failures, join the club. If you've experienced this defeat, join the club. If you feel sometimes that um, you just want to crawl up in a corner, join the club, don't we all? But you've got to learn one thing. God is your refuge. And God is your ever-present help in time of trouble. I love that verse. God is my ever-present help in time of trouble. And God will say to you like he says to me, what are you doing here? Huh? David was having a lot of men trying to kill him. That's why he was in a cave. He's in a cave several times if you go back and read his life. One time he was in a cave and King Saul and his men were trying to kill him and King Saul walked in the cave and David got so close to King Saul that he took his knife and cut off a, a piece of his robe. And then God convicted him of doing that and he said, God, I'm sorry. I should not have done that to the king. The king was trying to kill him. David found himself in a cave many times. But guess what? David got out of that cave. David became a great king. David became a man after God's own heart. Wow, what a title. No other man has been given that title in the word of God. A man after God's own heart. I wish God would give me that title, don't you? God can bring you out of a cave. Get you out of there. But you got to stop long enough to listen. God, what is my next move? You got to stop long enough to hear that still small voice. The crazy thing is, if you study on the word of God, you'll find that Elijah gets out of the cave and there's a big storm that comes through, loud thunder and lightning and all that, but God's not in that. And then there's fire, which you would think God would be in because he just consumed the sacrifice on Mount Carmel with fire, but God wasn't in the fire. And then Elijah heard a still, small voice. A still, small voice that says, hey, plug in the refrigerator. Still, small voice that says, Steve's got 1,200 bucks to take us all to get ice cream. That'll get you out of the cave right there, ice cream party. A still small voice that says, hey, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? 
Get out of the dark cave. Get in the light. Live life. Enjoy life. Look at all the things God has blessed you with. God has given you breath and life and hope and joy and peace. Look at all the things God has blessed your life with, friends and family. Wow. What are you doing here? Get out of the cave. Go in there, spelunk, and look around for a little bit, but get out of there. We went into those caves, looked around for a little bit, but you know what's really fun? Walking out of the cave. At first, you got a little bitty dot of sunlight when you're way back in that cave. And the closer you get to the entrance, the bigger the hole gets and the brighter the sun gets. When I was in Farmington, we had a lady in our church who was a supervisor of the coal mines there. And she said, Pastor, I want you to come out. I want to give you a tour of the coal mines. I said, cool, that'll be fun. Had no idea what I was getting into. Had to go through a two-hour um, training of what would happen should I get in there and there's a cave-in. And when you get into this truck and you start driving, you drive in, this thing's that big at first, and you're driving in, and every 1,000 feet there's a cutout in there. For if there's a cave-in, you can get to that cutout. There's food and water and oxygen, and hopefully it'll last long enough until they dig you out. We go five miles into this cave, this coal mine, and the, the deeper we go, I'm looking in the back window, and all of a sudden that big hole that we drove through gets smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller and, smaller and, smaller, and then it disappears. And there's a light about every 1,000 feet, there's a thing, and we're in a pickup truck. And then all of a sudden we have to get out of the pickup truck because it gets too small for the pickup truck. Then you got to start walking, then you got to start bending over. And then I'm realizing, oh my God, we are five miles in the bottom of the earth. And I started to feel a little claustrophobic. And then we went to this thing called the long wall, and that's where they're actually digging the coal out of the earth. And I got a piece of coal, and I looked at it, and it had some gold in it. And I put it in my pocket. <laughs> I did. I still have it. And then she showed me a steel door. She said, that is where the conveyor belt takes the coal from here up to the ground. And said, but don't open the door. When you open it, it's going to be about a 70 to 80 mile an hour wind blowing through there. She said, so if you open it, hold on. I thought, she's joking. Open that door, and man, it about sucked me through there. But it got to where I couldn't hardly breathe. These men are working down there, and they're, they're, it's like something you've never seen before. All the vehicles are like this high, and they're laying down on these vehicles, and the earth is right above their head, and, and they work like that for 12 hours a day. No sunlight, no nothing, and respirators are... I'm like, oh my God, that's like a tomb. I felt, then I'm like really starting to kind of panic a little bit. And so we get back in the truck and we drive out. And the greatest thing I remember seeing was a little twinkle of a sunlight. And I was like, oh God, drive faster, drive faster. I got out there and I was like, oh. anybody ever felt like that? You can't breathe? It was a panicky feeling. And I got there and I'm like, oh, thank God I'm out of there. How do these guys and ladies work in there? And I said, thank God I'm a preacher. I'd never thanked God in my life before that I was a preacher. <laughs> but it'll make you feel so much better about your life, won't it, when you come out of that cave. Stand with me tonight. Father, Lord, the enemy comes against us in all kinds of ways. And there are times where every one of us 
all the great men, all the great women of God at times find themselves in caves, whether literally or figuratively. We find ourselves in dark places. We find ourselves to where we think that God is no longer with us and God does not care. And, and the whole time God is with us and God is looking at us and go, what are you doing here? Get out of the cave. Go fulfill the plan I have for your life. Get out there in the sunshine and, and, and try to do something and have a victory in my name. Go out there and defeat the enemy. I'm with you. I love you. I love you as much now as I did when you were on top of the mountain and everything was going great. I pray tonight, God, that, Lord, we, we don't need to wait for somebody else to get us out. Let's get up ourselves, dust ourselves off, and get out of that cave. Walk out and say, I'm more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ. If God is for me, who can be against me? Nothing can separate me from the love of God. Neither height, nor depth, nor angels, nor principalities, nor anything created, nor anything. I mean, just go on and on. God, Lord, let us know that you are with us. And let us know that you are there to help us get out. And to not say, this is the way it's going to be the rest of my life. No, no, no. God's got great plans for you. Help us to know that we may not have the friends. They may have gone. We may not have finances. It may left us for a little while. We may not have this or that. But we've got God, and that's enough. That's all we need. If God is for us, who can be against us? We give you all the praise and all the honor and all the glory. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. We sure hope you were blessed by Pastor Bardwell's message. Join us anytime at PCAChurch.com and every Sunday at 2313 East Prospect in Ponca City.